ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, A-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham, it's B-Mac behind the glass, and it is a Friday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. B-Mac did a good job yesterday, so. He did. He actually, you know why? We he was focused solely on the show that he was working on, instead of multitasking 18 other things. Layman's terms, he was wearing one hat. That's right. He's wearing one hat. B-Mac, are we doing who said it today with you? Yeah, yeah, who said okay, it? Okay, so they brought in a ringer because we've been hot. Yeah, but but by the way, BMAC was supposed to be the ringer last week that helped Joe. Nah, uh, there should be an asterisk yeah, last week. There should be an asterisk last week. I don't know. That's fair. That's Jeremy fair. already heard two of them before we even started it, so I, only I heard feel one. like we need an asterisk. I don't think I heard two. Yeah, there was two of them you already knew. Like, right away, like, well, I heard this. Or, well, actually, sorry. I think it was one, just one. One you, one you heard and one a person on Twitch had told you about, I think is what it was. No. I think I only heard the duo one. No, it was one. two of them. It I don't remember two. this. I don't remember hearing I'll two. Find, I'll find it. I'll look it up between now and I then. remember the duo one I heard because it was the the one of the bench that, that it was, was blasted the very, on it social. It was the other one that you'd heard or I think someone had told you on Twitch was the very first one of the... Of, of oh, the, no, no. That was just kind of me reading the tea leaves, though. That was about... I, I know what you're talking about. Like they were, t- it was Granado. Granado was talking about something, and the Twitch chat was talking about how Granado. I, I was it was about Yonder Diaz not hitting, not hitting lefties. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't like they weren't like, "Hey, this is Granado." Like I was able to put two and two together. No, I, I didn't mean during yeah. you said it. I mean you've already seen it on somewhere before kinda, we got to that kinda. segment. Yeah. That one was more putting two and two together. The the fifth one I I heard, I saw, I saw on on social media, I saw. On, can't remember Twitter, right Facebook, now our Insta. Are scrambling for their time. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, we'll be doing one. We'll be doing who said it at one thirty. See if we stay hot. Uh, Ryan Spader is going to be joining us. Yeah, Ryan good get Spader. On your part. He went. Um, he started going at some anti Astro people yesterday on Twitter. Like we've had Ryan on. Uh, Ryan, you want to come on with us and and take back your semi retraction? He said, "Text me." I said, "Done." And uh, he's going to be joining us at one o'clock. So a lot to get to. Um, usually we start a show with the Astros playing a baseball game. Right. They didn't play a baseball game yesterday. They had an off day. So we asked the Twitch what they wanted to open with, and they said Texans. So because oh. we're a show of the people, we love the Twitchers, we love the Texters, we love you, listener, we're going to start with Texans because that's who the Twitch wanted us to start with. When did you ask Twitch? Um, at some point. At what point, speaking of points, are you all in on the Texans? some point i didn't know i just wondering if i was involved in the mix i mean i'm told i'm totally making that up it's a shot at the twitch um you should be able to pick that up well because I, I was gonna say how do we pass on the world series when we're gonna and talk football first when it's such a big important event but we can world series because of uh, this seattle's big and thing this is every year their world series it's the start of their big yeah. world series push i mean how much are you gonna say about a series that starts tonight though Hope the Astros win a game. Hope they yeah, win I mean, a series. They they got to do good. No, I didn't say we had to talk. I'm just saying I know <laughs> Seattle fans, and you'll probably get into it with them by the end of the weekend. But they they look forward to these big series, and then they normally have a big letdown. And I hope they do again. Um, look, the funny thing when we start talking about the Texans is is that it's kind of a conversation that you and I have had over the past week or so, and we're seeing this across the league now. That as much as they've gone from four preseason games to three preseason games, the, these these um, scrimmages in practices have become way more important than any preseason game. I mean, when you look at 
what we're hearing and, and what, what, what we're told and what DJ Bienemy and, and, and a lot of these people that are at the, the practice every day talk, talk about, most of the quality reps and most of the experience is coming out of the matchups with the Dolphins over the course of the week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, expectation-wise, I think I'm going to temper my expectations for whatever happens Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. A lot of people are saying a Saturday night game. But Saturday at 3? We got moved because of national television. They're doing that, that's for real. Like they that game was originally a seven o'clock kick, and they moved it to like three because they NFL Network I think wants to put it on TV. Everybody will be watching that. They, it was it was it was because of the television. It was the, the networks. The networks moved the game. I hope everybody got the message. It is there to tailgate early and yeah, rock three and roll o'clock game. For some and we're not kidding football. you this time, like we do about baseball. It's a three o'clock game. I think you and I have been very fair about the Texans. Some people would yeah. totally disagree with us, and if you want to seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The arrow's pointing up on the Texans, I believe. Yeah. I'm excited for D'Amico. I'm excited to see if C.J. Stroud can become a franchise quarterback. I'm bullish on this defense having a chance to be a top 10 defense in the NFL with the way the schedule sets up. But to be like all into the point of the Texans to where you're, you, you lose the thought, same old Texans. How many times have we heard that phrase? Same old Texans. We hear it all the time. We heard it whenever Lovey Smith had a 3-1 season. We, we heard it whenever David they hired David Culley. We heard it with the Easterby. We heard it with Luke McCown or Josh McCown uh, being somebody that was like a finalist for the job or was rumored to be the next head coach of the Texans. Bill O'Brien being given the general manager job. Brian Gain blowing the lead against Kansas City. Brock Osweiler. Rosencopter. I mean, the list goes on and on. That is an all-encompassing bullet point by bullet point, same old Texans. At what point, what does it take for the Houston Texans to shred the label of same old Texans? And at what point do you specifically, 713-780-3776, what does it take to eliminate that phrase from your mind, from your brain, same old Texans? I think the fact that we're seeing finally a a young nucleus that you can get behind. There's excitement in the air because you've got a coach you can believe in. There's an organization that isn't tripping over their own selves every single day to do negativity and and be problematic and do it worse than the day before. When you start seeing the progress of these young players, when you realize you have a quarterback that you can believe in, and not to say that he's going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league or anything like that, but that you can believe in, that he shows absolute pure potential, that he has the ability to be a long-term quarterback for you in this league. Those are the kind of encouraging signs that people want to follow. They want to be a part of. They want to see develop. They don't want to see coaches that look overmatched and and completely clueless. They don't want to see guys in their 30s hanging on to their last one-year deal. They don't want to see Jack Easterby and all the different antics and stupidity that he brought to the table. They want to see competence. They want to see improvement, and they want to see real football. And I think that we're on the right path to the the trajectory of taking fans where they want to go by taking this team where it needs to go yeah i think that it's i think it's gonna have to be result driven for honestly wins like result it might even take more than wins it might take like certain thresholds to surpass afc championship game. i think that's a it. level they've never been to. i think that's it because even like even if the that like, high let's let's but let, when I, well, not, I don't, not this I, year. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, this isn't well, like they're going to shred. Within the next five years, let's say. Yeah, it, I, think, I don't even think the timeline matters a ton here. Like, it's to at which point do they 
like, do they jump over the stigma of same old Texans? Look, the Astros had this stigma for a long time, too. Like, they would win lots of games. They would get to the postseason. They would win 100 games. And then the Killer Bees would fade away in the postseason. Maybe, like, we might fade away from ESPN 97.5. So that was a stigma that carried over the Astros for a long time, that they're a team that's really good. And then after you, like, to the back end of the Killer Bees when you were playing the Cardinals every year, you couldn't get, first it was the Braves. Couldn't get past the Braves. Then you couldn't get past the Cardinals. Then you get past the Cardinals and you get swept by the White Sox. There was that stigma, and it was kind of battered Houston sports fan syndrome, that you were never going to take that step. The Rockets had done it. It Maybe the Astros never would. You have this expansion football team that started in 2001. You know, it's great to have football back in, but when can you start winning? So, like, the stigma, I think, exists in the city. But specifically from the fan base, the Astros were able to break it with this golden era, 2017, and then winning again last year. The Houston Texans have to hit certain thresholds for, I think, a majority. And the answer is going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. This is a case-by-case basis. What What is going to eliminate the same old Texans for me is going to be different than yours. It's going to be different than BMAX. It's going to be different than you, listener, than Twitch, uh, the texters. Why we want to hear from you, 713-780-3776. And I don't necessarily think it's a timeline. If D'Amico Ryan's in two years, two years, wins 11 games, and they have a terrible performance in the AFC Divisional Round, look, we like D'Amico. We like CJ. We like Will Anderson. But we're going to be like, man, the Texans are just never going to be able to get over the hump. These are the same old Texans just like they've always been. But don't you think the only thing that kind of supersedes that is it has been so hard to swallow and so putrid a brand of football with all both in the organization and on the field for the last several years that it's going to take a while for them to for the fan base to kind of turn on them, even if it's the scenario you paint by the divisional round and they just don't get it done. I think that. They, I think there was a lot of people that had a reality check when all of this, everything started going wrong and continued to go wrong to where they said, man, for as much as we took for granted winning the, the AFC South and then maybe winning one playoff game and being one and done and, and complaining about that, and then all of a sudden when those days were over and you were wallowing in less than mediocrity and you were being laughed at as the worst team in, in all of football, that they started longing for those days and going, man, I wish we could do that again. At least we were respectable. At least that was fun. At least they won a lot of football games. So I think that if you get back to that level again where you're getting to the playoffs and getting bumped and then all of a sudden you kind of take that next hurdle and you get to the division round or you get to the AFC championship game, if you get your doors blown off or or you lose, I think that people maybe kind of learned a lesson about not taking too much for granted with this team tour. Maybe they maybe they wouldn't jump back off or have problems with it that soon. Yeah. Uh, to uh, BMAC, yours is AFC Championship? Yeah, it's AFC Championship, and but I, I did want to point out, and maybe this is a bit of wearing some battle red colored glasses, but I do feel <laughs> like they've already kind of set me on the path of getting away from same old Texans with how they approach this offseason because part of same old Texans to me is just kind of doing what we expect them to do and going what doing what they did this offseason with the D'Amico hire, being willing to you know, fire a coach after a one and done two straight years to get a guy like D'Amico who didn't have any head coaching experience. And then as being as aggressive as they were in the NFL draft with the trade up for Will Anderson, that wasn't same old Texans to me. That was bold. That was daring to take a risk, which is not something I think they've been willing to do in the past. So I think they've set me on the path of believing they're past this, but to fully get there, it's definitely AFC championship game. I think the entire offseason plan was to shred this label. Like to be part honest it, with you, sure. like, it's I, a big part of it. Like, and, and, and if they change the the uniforms and the logo, mm-hmm. like they're rumored to do, may possibly next season, then that would also be a part of that package. More, yeah, I mean, it's more than a rumor. Like they 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 understand the stigma. They they understand that 
the city has – I'm not going to say it's turned its back on the Texans. I'm going to say it's more disappointed with who the Texans have been because this city craves football. I mean, like like you said, BMAC, even this offseason, you hired D'Amico. That's something that's going to move the needle from a fan interest perspective. You kind of throw out rumors that you're going to change your jersey and then add a H-Town Blue, which kind of plays to the heartstrings and nostalgia of football fans in this city. You go out and acquire – what you hope is a franchise quarterback, that's something that moves the needle. And then, look, you can say what you will about the trade. Making that trade is exciting. Even if you don't like the trade, it's exciting. It's excitement. It. It's bold. It's courageous. It's some, it's not, you're not playing it safe. And I think people can appreciate that, get on board with that, and get excited with it. So I, I like the way that BMAC described that. Putting you on the path to where it's no longer same old Texans. But beyond that... What does it take? Is it AFC Championship? Is it just believing in the Houston Texans? Is it getting to a Super Bowl? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Ryan Spader will join us at 1 o'clock. He wants to expose all of Major League Baseball. Kevin McHale was very, very mean to James Harden, rightfully so. Bobby Miami is apparently already texting us in 800-page essays on the text line. But we caught Bobby Miami cheating on us, which is something that we have to address. That's no good. Who said it at 1.30? Can the killer bee stay red hot? We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. What is it going to take for you to get rid of the idea, the saying, same old Texans? It's the killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You're back where you belong, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. BMAC playing a little innuendo. Another one bites the dust after Spencer's talking about the will of shows. I'm hoping I can escape blankers if I'm being completely honest. I'd, I'd like to be a peacock and spread my wings. Rolling, man. You, got, you <laughs> took a couple of shots yesterday and today. You're, you're what did I do fun. yesterday? Oh, yesterday about on the Twitch telling people I like to hit my fake nails on the... the <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that was a subtle like uh, oh, Twitch I exclusive. I mean, I wasn't hiding it. I typed it in front of yeah. Twitch where I know that you view. I mean, that's like telling it to your face. Uh, I like to have fun. I'm a, I'm a little under the weather. Like uh, OG was asking, "Hey, you feeling all right?" I'm a little under the weather. I'm good enough to do a show, obviously, but whenever I'm a little under the weather, it's kind of like whenever somebody has a few money, where it's just like I'm going to say whatever I want to say. I don't care. I'm I'm a little under the weather. I can get away with it. Like more willing to get canceled or yeah. fired when you're sick. Which I mean, fifty fifty shot. It's my last day, anyways. Yeah. So. True. true. Like B Mag playing another one bites the dust. Was that an Easter egg? We could have done that stuff today. Could have, perhaps. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. What is it going to take for you to shed the label? For you specifically, shed the label, not the same old Texans. Blank, blank. you gave a very long answer, and I'm not really sure what you said, if I'm being completely honest. Well, but I said, that, I said that because of all the pitfalls previously that they've just endured, I think that it changed their vision of what it could be. Because otherwise, if, if they, were just, they were just, you know, 50, like a 500 team. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't all the way hit rock bottom. It's almost then like, I would agree with you guys. It's AFC Championship. It's, it's it going to different places at different levels they've never been before. But I think that people got a reality check with how bad this team has been for the last couple of years. And I think I get the feeling it's changed what they want to see and what they can tolerate and what, what, they, what they will like. And I think that if this hmm. team is competing again for a playoff spot and or the AFC South division eventually – and they can get back to even the Bill O'Brien success of winning the division, winning winning a playoff game. 
I think that will completely get people back on board again. Context definitely matters. Like, you're you're 100% right. Context matters because the context that you just described, under O'Brien, it still was not good enough. It was still these – because no one believed in O'Brien. And they hadn't really – since the expansion years, they hadn't really fallen as far as this team would fall. Right. Like, the Kubiak years, they they had a really good team, and they fell short. The Bill O'Brien years, they were getting to the playoffs routinely, but no one believed in Bill O'Brien, and they also didn't have a franchise quarterback. Like, context absolutely 100% matters. How you get to certain points 100% matters. But I think to completely take away that little mantra, same old Texans, I I think it's going to take an AFC championship. Geo brings up an interesting question. Having an actual franchise quarterback. Does having an actual franchise quarterback sh- like take away the sl- the slogan, the mantra, the label, same old Texans? I, 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 yes, and I thought that, and then that the Texans with the franchise quarterback went into Kansas City and blew that lead in 2019. So I mean, you, you're absolutely right. No one believed with, with Bill O'Brien because you know it was Brian Hoyer, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick, it was Ryan Mallett. You know, there wasn't a quarterback you believed in. Then they got the franchise quarterback. They go up 24 nothing in Kansas City on the road in the divisional playoff. And they still find a way to lose, and you still end up saying after the game because I had that conversation with my buddy. And he's he's pessimistic the whole time, even when they're up twenty four nothing. And I looked at him and said, "No, it's not the same old Texans. They actually have a quarterback now." And then it turned out to be same old Texans anyway. And and it went from Oilers to Texans. So then it was Houston. We have a problem every chance that you heard nationally. Every chance those things happen, but Houston's going to Houston happened a whole lot. And then we got into Texans are going to Texan. We know that at some point the bottom's going to fall out no matter how good it looks. Think of the letter jackets. Think about what happened after that. And and I think that the only thing that changed it was wallowing in rock bottom and even lower and and having to experience and endure every single time those two words came out of someone's mouth that covers football. It was the laughing stock. It was the embarrassment. It was the joke. And so kind of our conversation yesterday that's where Hannah comes in to try and save the business side of it with others, I think. And that's where D'Amico and and younger, better players come in to start getting people to kind of change their mentality or help them actually change their mentality. They're already not going to be as greedy, but they're also going to want this rolling positivity of the offseason to kind of now keep going for the next several years. Yeah, I'd like to say it's just simply you find the franchise quarterback and you move past that. And maybe C.J. Stroud is the franchise quarterback. We'll find out. But who's, what's the other NFL franchise that we always kind of associate this sort of collapsing? It's with the Chargers. Chargers are going to Charger. They found a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. And what they do in the playoffs last year against the, against the Jaguars? They chargered and they blew a lead when they were up like, what, 20, 20 27, yeah. 28 to nothing or whatever it was in the Jaguars. So yeah. it's really kind of going back to Joel's point from the last segment. It's, I think it's just results-based. If they get to a level, whether it be championship game or Super Bowl, that they haven't been to before, then we can move past this. And it might even just be, are they in that contendership? Like, yeah. are they a Super Bowl? Like, Buffalo Bills, they haven't been to a Super Bowl, but I'm sure Buffalo believes in Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. And they're also the most loyal fan base in the world. They're jumping through a table in um, but whatever, like, would we consider Deshaun Watson while he was here a franchise quarterback? Because I absolutely would. Yeah, I, sure. I was more critical of Deshaun than most. Like, I felt that he made way too many negative plays. But when, Desha- but I also said I believe that Deshaun Watson's capable of winning an MVP and leading the Texans to a Super Bowl. So he most certainly was a franchise quarterback. 
when Deshaun Watson was here, were you saying they are the same old Texans? You described a situation where you I did. I did think they were, and then they same old Texans against the Chiefs. But this is where, like, to Blanker's point, context matters. Because the reason that I said that they are the same old Texans wasn't because of Deshaun or even the talent of the team. It was because of O'Brien. Like, I just didn't have mm-hmm. the faith in O'Brien. So that's why context matters. If the Texans rattle together, you know, not this year, but next year they go 9-8, and eight, sneak into the AFC South title because everybody else in the division stinks. They go 10-7, and seven, win the division title after that. But you believe in D'Amico Ryans, I think the city sings a different tune Absolutely. than whenever Bill O'Brien was here. So context has to be key. And think about it, Jeremy, because you bring up O'Brien. Every single time, even when there's been success, there's always been something that stood out as a negative. It was Easterby. It was O'Brien. It was, you know, different players that acted up or did things to where, you know, they pointed a finger negatively. This is the first time in a long time that you've kind of erased all the negativity and the distractions of Deshaun and everything else and said, hey, everything's looking up. The coach is looking up. The coaching staff is looking up. The roster, there's no more Rex Burkheads. There's no more veterans that you don't want to see. It's looking up. And now all you got to do, and I think I'll take it a step back to take a step further. I don't think they have to win the division. But if they get into the playoffs next year as a wild card, but they show the promise of, hey, we're just setting we're just setting the bar higher every year. We got in this year. Next year, we're going to win the division. After that, we're going to keep going. I don't think the, the fan base is going to have any problem 100% back in this team. See, the, the plight, I think, matters, too, that you just described, like, the ascension, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it continues to climb, to climb, to climb. Because O'Brien, it felt like, okay, you got to a point, and then it was a plateau. Like, you just, you, you were stagnant. You weren't going up. You weren't going anywhere. Like, I think D'Amico kind of has to, to show that ascension, where you're kind of climbing along the way, climbing along the way, climbing the, the, along the way. But one thing that D'Amico has to his benefit that Bill O'Brien didn't is D'Amico's incredibly likable, and the city already loved him. And, and the city wanted him whenever they hired him. So D'Amico has built-in advantages where previous coaches did. And look, Kubiak had this advantage, too, I think. Because Kubiak was... You know, he was coming from an organization that was a winner. He had history in the NFL, and he was a good old boy from Texas that played quarterback just down the road at Texas A&M. So getting a likable coach is great for PR. It doesn't necessarily translate into wins, but it's great for PR, and it's good for the fan base that they like D'Amico Ryans. Although, D'Amico Ryans is super boring at press conferences. There, I said it. I'll be the first one to say it. Well, yeah, but we know that we've seen what's happened with great teams that are super boring at press conferences like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I can endure that as long as the team is exciting to watch and they make progress. Facts. And yeah, I Popovich think, is boring facts. in press conferences. Good point. Yeah, so the, if that's the least of our concerns and worries, th- I'm fine. Because th- I believe that D'Amico and the staff that he's put together is already a huge positive. I, I believe that the roster that we're seeing developed is a huge positive. I, I mean, how many times have people, when they because they were so used to negatives, no matter what Rex Burkhead did, that was a huge negative every time he carried the football or was on the field. I loved it when he carried. And the I football. know, and you called the you know every and you weren't wrong, but then all of a sudden it was the fighting Rex Burkheads because there were many of them all over the roster. <laughs> now we're seeing development of young players taken in the draft and looking like they're going to be a part of this franchise for years to come. That's exciting in itself, and when you add on top of it, finally finding a quarterback in their in their mind. This is why people are, are have a different level of excitement for this team. Three seven two six. I think Texans going to Texan had a lot to do with how the organization was run, and just this past year has improved. I think it's a good way to sum it up. Good, same old Texans. Seven one three seven eight zero. ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Astros are two and a half back with forty to play. What has to go right in the final quarter poll of the year 
for the Astros to win this division. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Uh, Bobby Miami, if you if you weren't with us yesterday through, throughout the show, which is not excusable, but but if you were missed a little bit of time, Bobby Miami, he drives for Amazon. He he texted us, told us how much he loved us. Uh, we have a bone to pick with Bobby. At least I have a bone to pick with Bobby Miami. You, you Blanker seems to, to like him a little you bit more. You had a bone to pick with Bobby Miami. I didn't, I didn't have a bone to pick with him initially. I just thought he might just, be fake. You just doubted him. I, I did. I did. I did doubt him. But Bobby Miami proved that he was real by sending me a, a selfie that I'm still a bit uncomfortable with. Had nightmares about that selfie. Uh, Bobby Miami has already texted the show today. Several times. Bobby Miami sent us a three-text text because characters, you can't. So I copy and paste them into Word. text was so long. You counted every word, a, didn't you? I, well, I didn't count them. I copy right. and I paste mean, them I, into Word, I mean. and then yeah. Word has a word count where it easily does it. But guess how many words were in, that, in those three texts that he sent us? 342. That's light. Light. That's light. Uh, 744. That's high. 485 words. Ugh. It's a lot of words. I hope he voice texted. Like, I hope he voice texted. I hope these packages from Amazon are getting to these porches, well, yeah, including I ours. Amazon had a, was supposed to have like a super tight schedule for the delivery drivers. He's out there yeah. writing manifestos to the text page. Does Amazon allow you to turn right? Turn right. There's a. There's. A, I think it's. I think it's UPS. UPS they with their truck. Right? They're not allowed to turn right. Why? It has something to do with the gas usage. For some reason, if you only turn left, it uses less gas. I, I, I read this article. I don't know. I was bored, I guess. But, and I can't remember if it's left or right. I'm pretty sure it's left, though. I'm pretty sure that you can only turn left in a UPS truck. I could be wrong with the directions. But they only allow their drivers to – and they have the, the navigation, so they right. just follow the navigation. It's not like you're forcing your drivers. The drivers are fa- you know, following the navigation. But they only turn left to limit gas. It, it, it limits like one one-hundredth amount of gas, and it saves them like millions of dollars every year whenever you combine all their trucks. That's bizarre. It's crazy. Like, what if they it's get so lost? Weird. I could actually swing around and get back around, but nope. I can't turn right. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. But we're, we're just messing around with you, Bobby. Well, what, are you hungry today? Because, you. you know, yesterday you I'm said you I'm always hungry. Well, then just Look tell Bobby Miami, instead of, like, sending us somebody else's packages, tell him what you want and make sure you get some food over here. Yeah. Ugh. You want Come pizza on. today, or what do you want? And I, I, Alex says that my UPS guy is breaking the rules. Let me add one more thing. I think it's only in cities, like downtown cities. Wherever, oh. Yeah, like, I, like whenever you're like rural, neighborhood, suburban, right. like that, I think it goes out the window. But in cities, wherever they have like, you know, weird turns, weird lanes, I'm pretty sure that's only. So do speed limits and stop signs in the rural areas. Well, Twitch is saying now it's, it's only right turns. So maybe I got the turns wrong, but they only allow you to turn one way. It's in, in cities. It's okay. bizarre. It's weird. It's just, 15 minutes, I'll never get back. Uh, 7137, and you now will never get it back. 713-780-3776. The Astros are two and a half games back with 40 games to play. What has to go right, or wrong for others, for the Astros to win the American League West? To me, I I think it's just stay healthy at this point. I, I think you can say stay healthy, and then the other caveat would be I just need to see all of the starting pitchers, specifically the top three starting pitchers in this rotation. I think that's where it really starts for me. 
You've got to get Fromberg consistent. You've got to get the old Javier back, and you've got to find which Verlander. Verlander's got to take it up a notch, too, especially after his last start. Those top three are so so important. I think the bullpen's going to sort itself out. It's going to be fine. If they're healthy, the lineup is as good as any lineup in baseball. But I think, for me, it's the starting pitching and the fact that there are still so many things to work out, so many kinks that still have to be ironed out between now and the playoffs with your top three guys. I understand that. You know, there's a lot to be concerned about with Hunter Brown, too, or at least things. But to me, it's just those three guys. Yeah, I think that it's uh, the injuries are obviously a huge factor, and it, it, I would say that it's always a factor, but especially with the Astros, because they've had tons of injuries this year. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, quite frankly, is injury-prone. Like It's a hard conversation. People don't like you to say that because it brings up the harsh reality of Jordan Alvarez. He's injury-prone. Look at Jordan Alvarez's career. He's missed chunks of games in every single season that he's played. I think it's a big reason why Jordan Alvarez assigned a sweetheart club-friendly deal. It's because he's been injury-prone and he wants to get paid up front versus, you know, punting down the future. Uh, so Jordan needs to stay healthy. Another harsh reality is Jose Altuve has been banged up the entire year. Jose Altuve has played very few games because he's had a v- variety of different injuries, whether it's the thumb, whether it's the oblique, whether it's banging a, f- a foul ball off his shin. Uh, now he did come back immediately, but your- Jose Altuve has been injured throughout the season. You still haven't seen Michael Brantley in a Houston Astros uniform. He's been the only uniform he's played for this year is a Sugarland Spacer a uniform. So health is always a factor, even more critical with the Houston Astros. To me, the pitching needs to get right, whether it's Verlander. I'm not as concerned about Verlander because Verlander's hasn't been like this sustained period right. of time. His has been a little shorter, like his last start wasn't good. But I thought previously he'd been fine. And then you look at his Mets starts, he had a really, really good run before he was traded. Now, from Valdez. Like, which Fromber are you going to get? Are you going to get no-hitter Fromber Valdez? Or you, like, I, I was fine with how Fromber pitched in Miami as well up until that eighth inning. I thought he looked dominant at times. Are you going to get this Fromber that gets a little bit disinterested or maybe a little bit scorned because he's not starting the All-Star game and he gives up six runs in four innings? I believe in Fromber because I believe in his stuff, and he has shown you the last few years that he's a really, really good pitcher. I don't know if you need Christian Javier, quite honestly, because if, if Romberg gets it figured out, if you're counting on Verlander, if you think that Jonathan Patrick France is your number three and Brown's your number four, I think you can get by without Christian Javier, to be completely honest with you. My concern there is Javier's been there, done that, and been there in the World Series and in big, big playoff games and executed. And I think until you've been through the grind of a, of a playoff series and understand how much more ratcheted up it gets when you start every little thing can matter and be the end of your season kind of stress levels. I, I think it's it's different. I don't know what to expect from J.P. France, though I've been extremely pleased would with you, him all, would, all, all regular season. Would you start Javier in a playoff game right now? Right now, no. So then why do you need to count on him? Because I think we have time right now. Well, we you, have you, time. That, that's hopeful, but you don't need it. See, I, I think you need three guys you can absolutely lean on and count on in the playoffs. And I think that Two of the three, you're right. They're going to write the ship. I think that Fromber and Verlander are going to write the ship, though Verlander's been inconsistent in the playoffs. I think that when you look at that third pitching spot, I love J.P. France and all he's done, but I do, I do have some concern about him not never pitching in the play, in the in the playoffs before. Sure. And so to, to to rely on that would be a little risky for me. I know who who Javier can be. That between now and the start of the playoffs, I'm hopeful he can kind of figure it out. But every time we see him pitch, something else and, and it comes to, to the forefront of, well, when is he going to get that back or when is he going to straighten that out? Control the last several starts, no matter how much his fastball got back, control it and, and pitch count has been awful in the last month. 
I think because your pitching is deep, though, that he's more of a luxury than a necessity. Like, I think you can win the World Series if Christian Javier does not pitch in the playoffs. Now, is it a little riskier because France hasn't been there? Yeah, it's riskier, but if the playoffs were to start right now, you want to pitch France over Christian Javier. But in a seven-game series, you're going four or three you going, starters. Absolutely, you're going four. Yeah, so then is, you just well, you said Hunter, Hunter Brown, Brown yesterday. No, but I'm saying, right, but I'm saying if I, if, if I get Javier right. Sure, if you get it right, but do you think you can win the World Series without using Javier at all in the playoffs? You, you, I'm telling you right now, playoffs start today, you're not using Christian Javier in the postseason other than like eating some innings in a blowout game late, but you're starting four as Fromber, Verlander, whatever order, J.P. France, Hunter Brown, you have the bullpen that you have, can you win the World Series without Javier pitching yes. high leverage innings? So it's, so it's a luxury, not a necessity. Whereas Fromber Valdez getting right, to me, is a necessity. Justin Verlander being right is an absolute necessity. I don't think you can win the World Series without Verlander and or Fromber. I think you can win the World Series without Christian Javier pitching well. I think that it is possible, but I think it would be a lot more improbable when you know that. And, and to me, I don't know. I think that if, if you get Javier right, I think you could say the exact same scenario without Verlander and with the rest of these guys, and you still would have a chance to win the World Series. I think you could still win the World Series. But I think that for them to have the best chance to get to the World Series and win it, I think, in my in my opinion... I need the experience as well as the ability of Javier because I just I, I have concerns about the two young guys stepping up to that big of a role. It's, it, it sounds like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, though, Like if I'm being completely honest, because you say that you need Javier, but you're going with France and Hunter Brown over Javier. Well, as of right now, because he hasn't figured anything out. Right, I understand. Right, so, so my concern is, like, ideally, I want Javier before I want either one of those two guys in the three spot. But that doesn't mean that one of those Perfect two guys... World. Yeah, and then I can move Hunter Brown to the bullpen, which he's shown he can do, and now my bullpen gets even better. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have him at all, now I'm relying a lot more and needing a lot more out of actually both of those guys and still knowing that my bullpen is going to probably get taxed and be counted on a ton because of the fact that you don't know what you're going to get out of out of 3 and 4. 713-780-ESP, an HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. What has to go right over the final 40 for the Astros to win the American League West? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These Killer Bees make great sports insights. But they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Killer Bees, ESPN, 97.5, ESPN, 92.5. 713-780-3776, the HRP listener line. 7419, just like in wrestling, you shouldn't let the audience make themselves a part of the show. Enough with the Bobby Miami Mark, especially when he is messaging every show. So with that, we'll go back to something that uh, by, uh, Bobby Miami said. He said he wrote all of that stuff before the show, before his shift, and he saved it for us. Saved it for We should feel special. We yeah, so he, he, wrote, he wrote it before he was delivering his package. So that makes me feel better. Appreciate that, Bobby Miami. And I disagree with that last te- texture entirely. It is great and wonderful to have characters on the show. However you get them. Now, you're not going to let them <sighs> take over the show, but it's fantastic whenever you have characters become part of a radio program. It we are the most character radio. participatory show on the station, so I think that that is something that we strive for on a daily I mean, basis. We have characters on this show. We have Gary. We have the other Gary. We now have Bobby Miami. We have the Willie. teachers. We have King. We have Willie. We have um, Dre. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Characters Big being C. a part of... B-Max a character whenever he's on our show. Yeah. Like, Sorry, having just... characters on a show is kind of the 
the business. Like it's kind of what the you life do. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just I couldn't help but laughing when you were trying to list off all the great characters that had. And the first two names were Gary and Gary. Yeah, Gary and Gary, because they're two very different Garys. One very one there Gary is two. very logical, and then one other Gary convinced like. Uh, one Gary just wants Nick Casario on sure the unemployment line. Not just one person with two personalities. There's no chance. Not okay. enough. They, they, the they sound very, very different. Yeah. There's Paul in West U who absolutely can't get enough of Jeremy. Is is that is that true? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's weird that you know that. I do because most times he would just say hi to you. You're a little sensitive about yeah, it, or maybe what? Sometimes I am. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's go out to Paul in West U. What's going on, Paul? Hey, what's up, fellas? Good discussion. Uh, yeah, the, the pitching has to be there, but I'm not really worried about it. The Astros have enough pitching, uh, and they've got enough arms to, to sort it out to get somebody pitching well. Their problem this year and going forward is going to be scoring runs. If you look at the Rangers, they, the Rangers have scored 92 more runs than the Astros. The Rangers have actually pitched a little better, but I think that's going to equalize. But the Astros' problem is going to be scoring runs. So what needs to happen is Maldonado needs to sprain a finger, and they're going to need to find somebody to play first base. Appreciate the call, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Maldonado. Now, Maldonado might need more than that for him not to play. I mean, there were there were stories out there that he played through a broken hand yesterday. Or not yesterday, last year. There were reports that he played through a sports hernia. So I don't yeah. think Maldi's going to miss games if he has a sprained finger. It might take a, a different injury. Todd Callis on the broadcast. Todd Callis will be joining us at 2.30, by the way, because he can't join that Best Stuff show uh, a little bit later on today. So they moved him up a little bit, moved him up in the batting order. Now, he mentioned the other day that he thinks that Yiner is going to play like multiple games at first base this series, which is good, which is good because we want to see what Yiner looks like. I think that Yiner is probably your best first base option right now. And if Dusty's committed to Martin Maldonado behind the plate, then okay, we'll make Yiner your everyday first baseman. Like, make it work. You have 40 games here. Because what was the reason that they don't want to play Yiner at first base? Well, it's a sophisticated position. It's not easy. He's got to know the cutoffs. He's got to know where to be. Okay, well, you have 40 games to figure it out. You can figure We've it out in Joey 40 Gallo games. play first base. We've seen teams just throw big guys at first base and, and that's why I said with Joe Espada and all the work he does pregame with all the infielders just mix in a little bit more for for uh, Diaz for now if you want to get sprinkles and icing when you get him back to get a little work at first base you can do that too but the most important thing is Yiner's got to be in the lineup every day because it, when you start talking about like the game plan and offense and and, and when we were talking about the, the, te- the caller was talking about you know the Rangers well that's why I said injuries because as long as you stay healthy this lineup, and we call it the death lineup when we get everybody that we really want to see, including Yiner, but this has this lineup has the ability, when healthy, especially when you might add yet another bat, to be as dominant and as good as any offense in baseball the rest of the season. You don't want to be the Rays. The injuries are so important because the, the silver lining was you had a ton of injuries, but you got them all out of the way before you started heading down the stretch. When you look at the Rangers, and they were without Jonah Heim, and then now they're without Young, and they, they're, they're without uh, some of their pitching staff. They lost uh, you know, their big free agent signing in Jacob DeGrom. They've had a lot of injuries, but now they have more. And if you're the Rays, you just lost Shane McClanahan to, to, to the, a possible Cy Young candidate for the year with Tommy John. You're starting to lose guys left and right. We already know that Franco's got all kinds of off-the-field issues. Uh, their first baseman is out for at least a month. Well, with an elbow issue right now. So when you start calculating when you get the injuries, it means something too. That's why as long as you've 
basically been able to overcome all of them, and now you're he- getting healthier and you're going to be healthy, that's a huge win. I just I don't like giving the injury answer because that's chance. Like it is. That's that's it's random uh, unless you have a bunch of injury prone guys or you're overworking them, and we don't like the Astros to give them but days off. We know off. the Jordan rules. We know how it, we, we are deeply concerned yeah, about it. But I mean, it's, it's, I, th- I just think he's like injuries is like the stock answer. Well, avoid injury. You're fine. Like, but I gave more than that, but I'm just saying, no, you did, but I'm, I'm talking like in general, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers here. It's just easy to say that for every single team. Yeah. Avoid injuries and you're going to be doing good. But at the same time as a fan base, collective fan base, do not rest players. Like there, there's a little bit of hypocrisy there. Like make sure everybody's healthy, but never give them a day off. Like it's, 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 but to me, it's it, more than that. It's continued to get healthy to continue to keep getting healthy. Other teams are trying to tread water because they're trying to see if, if, if all these, they're not, they can't avoid injury. Now they're trying to see when they're getting guys back and how they can tread water until they possibly could get some of them back. Right. But what's the plan to avoid injury? Like, I mean, that's that's kind of like what I'm getting at. Like, Javier, okay, well, here's the plan to make sure that you get him right. You know, give him a little bit of rest. Pitch him every six day. He needs to get that fastball. Uh, how does this offense do we get better? Yonder Diaz needs to play. Uh, the batting order needs to change. Well, okay, well, then what's the plan for injuries? Like, but okay. do we think Javier's hurt, or do we? Think I don't it's think mechanical? Javier's hurt. See, I don't either because his fastball is still good. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's more. I think his command's been poor. Yeah. I think maybe there's a little bit of fatigue. I don't think he's injured. If he was injured, they wouldn't be pitching. Six seven six one. Easy answer. Dusty needs to stop being a stubborn clown. It's a bit harsh. Uh, Keenwood Eric agrees with you. For the Astros to win the division, we need the real Fromber and Javier to show up. Let's go out to the HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Tron, character of the show. You're in the hive of the yeah. Cubs. What's up, Tron? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I, I wanted to talk about the batting order, and it was based on that, that, that last guy who was talking about our run production and how it's so inconsistent. And uh, so, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's either onesies, zeros and ones, or tens and elevens, right? <laughs> and I would just rather have some consistency because we know if the Astros score more than five runs, I mean, that's like 80% win rate. Uh, so I'm going for the consistency, and uh, so my, my crazy idea is let's, there's a couple situations. We're going to talk uh, Abreu games, Singleton games, Yiner games, and Maldi games. But basically, starting off, Maldonado, I would bat him a reason being. Who is our hottest hitter right now? That's a question to you. Who's our hottest hitter right now? And it ain't Tucker. Uh, Altuve? Yeah, it's easy. It's... Altuve, thank you. And he's leading off. So we need somebody in that nine slot that Altuve can drive home. I think that is going to help a lot. If we're batting Maldi ninth, then Altuve's got nothing to bring home, baby. Appreciate the call, Tron. My idea idea is like a doobie. You know, doobie gets on base. You know, a little doobie single to first, and then a uh, Altuve double, drive him home from first, right? All right, Tron. I like where your mind's at. And you're right about the consistency. Like, the the, the Astros' offensive consistency has been frustrating, and I'm with you, Tron. I would like to see, hey, if if it means getting rid of a couple of 10-run, 11-run games, but also getting rid of the zero, one-run games, and you just have a bunch of five, six-run games, I would take that in a heartbeat. Agree completely. I was with them until you said, let's bat Dubon. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you, too. This ain't Dubon of the first half of the season. Dubon's second-half numbers are pretty bad. If you want to have a conversation, maybe put Chaz 9 right in front of Well, I wouldn't go that. Ooh, not Chaz. Chaz I'm just hitter. saying someone who's actually getting My, on base, but Dubon's not getting on base. The guy that we've talked about there is Pena, and yep. I think Pena kind of serves two masters. Because I actually agree with you, Tron, about that point, making you know upgrading the number nine spot and batting Maldi eight. And then I, I've called for Jeremy Pena to bat nine for two reasons. One, he gets on base with the top of the order more than Maldi would. 
Secondly is, what do we know about Pena? He likes to have good hitters hitting behind him, and his numbers go up when good hitters are hitting behind him. How do you get a good hitter to hit behind him but not bat him second in the lineup? You bet him ninth in front of Jose Altuve. He's so also I like that, that can idea. Steal a bag and, and, and get himself into scoring position yep. for Altuve. He's not going to clog the bases yeah. just on the rare chance that Maldi gets on base. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's sneak in Willie here. Willie, another character of the show. You're in the hive of the killer bees. What's going on, Willie? Thank you uh, for taking my call. I like to say uh, the Astros need to work more on stopping the unearned runs. Yeah, and and they need to stop swinging at the first pitch so much. They always used to have people that could hit with two strikes and then strike out so much. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, appreciate it, Willie. Thanks, Willie. You know, we, we started to talk about that about a month ago or, or maybe previous, earlier than that, but it's, it's reared its head again. The defense has been really bad all year. This is a team that has been consistently one of the better defensive teams in the league over this run of Astros baseball, golden era of Astros baseball. This year, in particular, their defense has been lacking. It has been downright bad at times. It's cost them a lot of runs over the course of the season, and they do have to tighten that up as they get down the stretch as much as they have to work on the other things we've mentioned. Yeah, Willie, Willie said it well. That, that is a, a big concern of this team. 713-780-ESPN-HRNP listener line. Ryan Spader covers baseball for people that want him to cover baseball. Was very vocal about the whole sign-stealing stuff and then got muzzled by somebody in baseball. He got a little vocal yesterday on Twitter. And I asked him to come on the show. Ryan Spader said, okay. Let's see what Ryan Spader is upset about. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. We control the spice. The worm is the spice. The spice is the worm. 